Hey Ben. Hey Paul. Whoa, what you what you got going on? You sound a little different. I've uh I had a little issue earlier today. I was trying to explain to my son Elliot about the movie and the scene in the movie where he sticks his tongue to the flagpole. And so mm-hmm. I opened the freezer door to see if it worked. You uh, had to test it, didn't you? Yeah. It it worked. It turns out it's pretty accurate, huh? Yeah, it's uh it's uh it's pretty accurate, pretty painful, a little bit of both, yeah. So it stuck. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well Bill been a bit of a day. Well, I think that it's it's only appropriate that I give you the responsibility of welcoming people to the no, show then. No. Uh, yeah, yeah well, come on. You yeah, can do uh, it. Welcome to the review F. <laughs> Got to work on those R's, pal. <laughs> on a mission from god ben how's how's the tongue uh it's uh it's actually better paul it's actually miraculous. much better yeah Good. it's a miraculous I'm, healing so yeah yeah i'm so glad that it worked out like that because this would have been a really long episode otherwise that's yeah, been pretty painful pretty painful for both of us yes so. yes but uh I'm, I'm, listener. Glad, I'm glad you were uh, being enthusiastic about the movie that we are reviewing today, uh, which is, it. of course, you say it, a Christmas story. A Christmas story. Uh, I, we we spoke last time about our kind of our Mount Rushmore, and uh, a Christmas story is, you know, without question, up there. Um, and it is for me. It is for you. And well, I, I, you know, I never would have guessed it would have been for you, Paul. I, you know, really? I, I know that like um, I know that no one can see you and that's just the nature of podcasts and radios. But folks, I just need you to hear this. Paul is wearing the pink bunny outfit that mm. Ralphie gets. And he looks like a pink nightmare mm. <laughs> in the words of his dad. So. Uh, that's how so, serious Paul takes this uh, podcasting. And so for the, the listener, for the listener, imagine Brad Pitt in an <laughs> Easter Bunny pink outfit, and that's exactly what I look like right now. Yeah, Brad Pitt meets Donnie Darko. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, that's that's the theme there. Uh, so hey, that's still Jake Gyllenhaal, and I'll still take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too funny so yeah i know it's one of your favorite movies though um i've i yeah. paul i think that you um there is there are a few if i think paul burgess i actually kind of think the movie a christmas story because oh. i know that you love this movie um i know that th- there's also just something deeply good about this movie and i think this is the same thing about you paul there's just something oh, deeply good there's a deep goodness there and so it's not it's not uh no surprise to anyone that that this is one of your favorites so well Thank you. That 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 means a lot. It absolutely is. I, uh, you know, like a lot of people our age, it probably um, it was so because you know this is one of those movies. It came out in 1983. Uh, yep. I was born in in 85. You you were 85. 85. Too, right? Yep. Yeah. Talent. Yep. So um, it's close to as old as as we are, and um, you know, it did it did well at the box office, I think, but kind of like 
some so many of these Christmas classics, it really has become so beloved because it got shown on TV, on cable yeah. over and over yeah. and over. And that's like for a I marathon. Think, this, right. This like, whole podcast is actually brought to you by TNT and TBS. <laughs> that's that right. Cool. Start on Christmas Eve and ran the entire day. So that's hey, yeah. if they're interested, give me a call because that would make things a lot easier. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that's that's how you know. I think it really it it um, forced itself into the uh, cultural uh, Christmas consciousness, and yeah. uh, one of the ways that I just came to love it so much was just from seeing it so often. I remember my that's dad, right. um, my dad gave me this uh, movie, this on this VHS, which was um, y- you know pretty unique because dad didn't. You know, I mean, like he gave me stuff, but he not like electronics or something like he he actually had to order this from a company like out of a catalog yeah. or something. I, I remember. And so the fact that he did that much like the old man uh, getting yep. Ralphie, you know, that BB gun, it yeah. uh, it really just that stuck with me. And so, yeah, my, my family knows that I love it uh, when uh, I think it might have been. Uh, my first Thanksgiving uh, with Eliza as as her husband, uh, we were celebrating at her aunt and uncle's house and the doorbell rings and I go outside and there is a box marked fragile or, yeah. <laughs> you know, fragile. if you rather fragile. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, in it is a full you know, life, like actual size leg lamp. Um I mean, it looks like it's straight out of the movie and her brother, unbeknownst to her, <laughs> her brother <laughs> and sister-in-law had ordered this thing and given it to me. And they gave it to me as my Christmas present on Thanksgiving so that I could display it. And the deal was it has to be in the front room window like yeah. uh, throughout the season, which was not a problem for me at all. Eliza might have had a little more difficulty with it, but she's she's been very <laughs> gracious with it since. So, um, is it is it displayed right now? Of course, yes, it absolutely yeah, is. It's, it's, in the, it's, it's in the living room. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's actually right in front of our front door. So, uh, and, and we're awesome. living in a new we're living in a new neighborhood this year. So I'm <clears> glad it's out there so people know exactly where we stand. That's exactly um, right. Yeah, way to way to way to put a, put a foot down. Nope, or a leg. <laughs> A high, a high heel foot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Plant that flag. Plant that heel in the ground, bud. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is. Um. I and I, I even I was telling you beforehand that uh, this movie me uh, means so much to me around this time of year. I, I even uh did a series one Christmas, um, where I preached each Sunday as a different character from a popular Christmas movie, and I kicked the series off by preaching as Ralphie from A Christmas Story. And uh, kind of using his experience to help, um, you know, demonstrate some of the truths of the season. So I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a big movie for me. What what about you? What's your history with it? Yeah, I I don't know. I we I, I just remember watching it constantly as a kid, and I um we loved it. I mean, I I asked for a Red Rider BB gun as a result of this movie. Um, I've uh you know I, I was introduced to the world of Red Rider BB guns as a result of it. We drank Ovaltine a lot in my house as a kid, so like I think that that's what introduced us to Ovaltine. Uh, we were probably the only people in Smithfield that drank Ovaltine. That's um, what I I don't think there was a lot of Ovaltine around Smithfield. There wasn't a lot of Ovaltine. We were pretty man. much we a went, Nesquik town. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Carnation is to breakfast. Um, yeah. and. <laughs> 
no, it was a little bit of a um, of a uh, 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 inspiration. I think my parents took it quite literally. This movie. Um, I uh, I do. Yeah, I think that there is. I don't know. Just being like a little kid, there's just something you identify with it. Um, and, and then it's interesting to watch it now, though. There's something you identify with it, right? As the dad, yeah. a little bit more so. Maybe not like in a, in quite as like of a. I don't think that either of us have necessarily his personality, but I think that there's something to be true to be said about like the parent perspective um, that that this movie presents, and you kind of watch it through a different lens now too. Mm-hmm. But I just I, I think that for me that. Um, you know the song that's always like playing whenever the kids are like when they speed up the film and it's like that is like the soundtrack of Christmas Day for me. Like that mm. song because it was on TNT or TBS at whatever station yeah. showed it and it played and I feel like every time we like turned it to TBS it was at that scene where the kids were like running. Um, yeah, because uh, it happens a few times. In the it movie. does it often. Um, yeah, yeah, and so that soundtrack to me sounds like christmas um that's just kind of what i associate uh christmas as being so yeah love the movie think it's great think it's wonderful uh tons of fun facts i know that you know like a lot of fun facts about this movie i mean you know kind of the history of it um um one of the fun facts i just learned uh in kind of prepping was you know who was the dad was supposed to originally be played by tell me hit, hit me with it jack nicholson that's who jack was first cast nicholson. he was first he was first casted as um as the dad, uh, and then wow. they went back on it because they were fearful that um that he was going to cost too much. So they offered it to uh, probably um, would have Darren um, McGavin. Dar- yeah, Darren McGavin. Yep. Um, R.I.P. Uh, yeah. But they uh they offered it to him. So yeah, Jeff Nicholson was originally the guy that they wanted. Um, kind of fascinating how that you that would have changed it would have his and- career and like also the change the entirety of the movie. Um, it so. would have and i wonder i wonder it you know nothing against the great jack nicholson um but i'm kind of glad that didn't happen because yeah, totally. i feel like for such a that would make this a jack nicholson movie or or right. one of the movies in his vast right. portfolio and it i feel like with just a, a uh, presence as strong as his it would um you know yeah. ralphie might be the uh the moon to his to his earth or right. or the, the earth to the his earth. sun or something right. where he, his gravitational pull would just uh you know force everybody else to revolve around him and when the wow. story doesn't need to be that way it needs to be driven around uh peter billingsley as as ralphie so yeah. um yeah yeah let's just pause for a second that metaphor just there uh was was shocked have you given this a lot of thought because that was a shockingly <laughs> like astute metaphor on the fly do you uh do you use that I, a lot yeah have you ben, i am sitting here as a 37 year old man in a yeah. bunny costume yeah the only reason i'm not wearing my tortoise shell jet glasses that match is because i couldn't find them in the attic <laughs> i told you i have two of these bunny costumes i had to choose which one to wear um yeah. so i appreciate that um yeah but well, it's good when when it comes to this movie maybe uh I'm just a little smarter than I normally am. <laughs> You're bringing out. Look at the metaphor in that guy. Uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, oh, Lord. Awesome. Um, cool. 
So no, uh, the, the another thing, interesting thing that I noticed, I had never seen um, this other movie. Uh, my boys and I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago because um, Eliza has been having uh, class that she's had to go to in uh, in Wilmington uh, every two weeks. So um, those are the nights uh, when dinner is is fully on me and the evening entertainment and all that stuff so we basically just sit down in front of the tv and watch a movie and <laughs> eat a frozen pizza or something That's and right. uh so we watched uh harry and the hendersons a couple weeks ago have you ever I seen love that? Harry, love harry and the hendersons yep. so Loved we had ne- we had never seen it and really uh, I, yeah i don't well, know how that one missed me but yeah. um but i didn't realize that melinda dylan played the mom in that movie and oh, plays the mom in this movie yeah and well and I think the reason you don't Lithgow, realize it is John Lithgow, the dad. In that movie? Yeah. He's is the that, dad now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. But I think the reason you don't realize it is because they do so much in this movie to make her look so, um, she, she just looks frazzled. Yes. Yes. Homely. <laughs> right, frazzled. Right, yeah. Uh, right. she, you know, she still looks younger than Darren McGavin, but, yeah. um, but they, they really, worked to i guess age her a little bit and just put up make her look more world worn um yeah but uh but yeah she's beautiful woman and and a great actress so it was fun watching her in that and always fun watching her in this uh so you know we i think we've got a lot to say about this this movie or i i know at least one of us does so um (laughs) we can go ahead and and jump in about you know kind of the spiritual angles and and where we see um god at 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 work and and, in some of the themes and things um and kind of the thing i wanted to mention most was um i guess a couple things one speaking to the structure of the movie itself um if you watch this, it doesn't it doesn't play out like an ordinary film in the sense that you know your typical narrative structure is you've you've got um, all these scenes that build on one another. You know, there's the rising action that all leads pretty seamlessly up to a climax, and then the climax, and then there's the falling action. I mean that that a whole thing that we learned in you know ninth grade English class, right? Um, this is is like that but the uh, the rising action seems a little less um less connected it's it's more like a series of vignettes of just these funny memories from this uh from ralphie parker's life or the the um author's life the the screenwriter's life and we'll get into that a little more in a minute but um it's it's just these vignettes memories of his life that are connected uh even loosely sometimes through this theme of the red rider bb gun and so like so many of these things actually have nothing even to do with the bb gun you know the um sticking your tongue to the lamppost as you you know reenacted so well for us today um nothing to do with the bb gun but it's hilarious it's a wonderful memory of his um the tire bursting and oh fudge you know that had nothing to do with scut farkas and the, the bully you know all that nothing to do with with the bb gun but they're just inserted into this larger christmas story 
and uh, the the BB gun is kind of the seed that's planted at the beginning. And so you you keep watching and every now and then there's this reminder of, oh, you'll shoot your eye out. Oh, you know, I'll ask my mom, I'll ask my teacher, I'll ask Santa. Um, and so it's just enough to remind you that you, now remember the seed that we planted at the beginning. And then at the end, of course, you know, we see how that plays off. But between the beginning and the end, there are these little um, beautiful uh, snippets of Ralphie's life uh, that only make the payoff of him getting the BB gun more uh, impactful and only make him a more endearing of a character because we see these other pieces of who he is, even if they don't really have much to do with the main plot itself. And in that, it reminded me a lot of, of our gospels, quite honestly, um, because, you know, we'll take Matthew or Luke, for example, the, the ones where we have a birth narrative, right. And we're told, or, or, any of them, though, really, that tell us right out the front, this is about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Word made right. flesh, however the authors put it. Um, it's it's laid out there for us, uh, and so we're wondering, well, well, how does this happen? And so the seed is planted, and then we get these scenes, and the, these Gospels are all just these different scenes. Jesus... Um, in Luke, for just a little bit, Jesus as a child, or Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus calling his disciples, Jesus in the desert, Jesus um, teaching on the hillside, Jesus um, at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus in so-and-so's home, you know, Jesus curing whoever, Jesus um, and the woman caught in adultery, or Jesus and the woman at the well, like all of these different vignettes of Jesus' life that if we were to look back and say, okay, what did these contribute to the main plot? Okay, well, maybe not much if that is the question, but what they did was teach us more about the person who is at the center of this story so that when that um, seed planted at the beginning germinates and, 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 and grows and is brought to fruition in the end, it means so much more to us because we know more fully um, this this person and this this promise that we were given in the beginning is so much more impactful and meaningful. And I just I, I love that. I love how um, you know, yeah the there are those scenes that. Um, that add to the story, even if the way that they connect, you know, to the beginning or the end might not seem so obvious. Yeah, that's right. I think that's, that's a, that's a, a super helpful thing. I mean, I always, um, I think a little bit about this, just, I have to think that the gospel writers are, are people who are storytellers, right. And they, they have to understand the art of telling a story and they have to understand like they're, they're recording accounts that people want to read. Right. So they don't write the gospels as, as minutes of Jesus life, uh, as minutes of Jesus's life. And the story of, of um, Ralphie and the way that it's told in this way, um, it'd be very boring if it were strictly like the minutes of this kid's life, like a kind of 
or, or sticking just to this one plot line of just the BB gun, like and not really kind of incorporating the context and things and kind of ca- capturing snapshots of life around him um, in this pursuit of the BB gun. That, that's the same thing with the way the gospel writers write, I think. They, they, they capture these snapshots of Jesus's ministry and of the people around him and of life around him and of, and really that's just the way that it, it could be the art of storytelling. It could be like, that's just how you, that's the only way to tell the story um, and to help people understand, but it does it in such an artful way. It does it in such a beautiful way, but the danger of it is to, is to not see it in the context of the arc of the story. Uh, the mm-hmm. danger of it yeah. is to like, forget the, the common thread um, to think of them as just uh randomly patchworked um uh like, like pieces of a story that that have no you know like to step back and actually see the big picture is going to be really important um in, in this movie and but also in the gospels i think you're spot on with that um you know i, I let me just apologize my metaphor is not as good as yours um uh, but you know uh i think that you're 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 absolutely right yeah i mean th- think about like what would this story be like what would a christmas story be like if you didn't have uh the uh the flagpole scene right yeah, what right, would it be right, like if right. you didn't have the bumpus hounds what would it be like right, if you right. didn't have the leg lamp right, right. the leg yeah. lamp does has nothing to do with the bb gun but right. this movie would not be the right. same without the leg lamp and same with the story of jesus like what would the story of jesus be without you know Zacchaeus or right. what, what would it be without? Yep. I don't know. The woman at the well. Um, exactly. You know, I mean, there's all these little snapshots of, of, Lazarus, kind of daily life. Yep. Yeah. Mary so, Martha. So uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's um, a testament to good storytelling. So speaking of good storytelling, then yeah. like I, this movie has, you know, as preachers, right. We work with right. words and sure. we, I don't know about you, I'm a manuscript preacher. And so I, I write out what I'm going to say, and then I mm-hmm. go over it several times so I can have a good command of it. So I'm not just reading it on a Sunday, but you know, I do write out the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed the older I've gotten, how much just the style of this screenplay, I, I love the way that Gene Shepard, the the screenwriter um, wrote this and it's influenced me so much just the way his descriptions and his uh, use of metaphor and um, the, the whimsical way that he can describe things. It's just um, has been very impactful to me. And so many folks might know that this story uh, movie and this script has is based on um, a collection of stories that Shepard put together um, called in God we trust all others pay cash and Shepard was uh, kind of like a radio not personality but contributor who would um, you know hey the podcaster of his day Ben that's right, uh, that's right. he would he would tell stories on the radio and uh, they were you know very well written and all this and so he collected a lot of those put them into this book and God we trust all others pay cash and then that got turned into this screenplay and this screenplay into this movie and so one of the things that I like to do is uh, watch 
a Christmas story with the commentary on uh, at least one of the editions I have has the commentary with the director, Bob Clark and uh, Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie. And um, it's always fun for me to hear them talk about the behind the scenes of it. And Gene Shepard was closely involved in the movie. He actually, when you hear the narration in the movie, that's actually Gene Shepard, the actual author uh, doing the narration. Um, In fact, in the scene where they are in Higby's and Ralphie and Randy are waiting in line to go up to see Santa and the guy tells them the line does, uh, the line ends here. It begins there. That guy who says that that's actually Gene Shepard. Yeah. Yeah, playing a cameo in uh, in that little part. So he was heavily involved in the movie. And apparently he was a strong personality. And he was <laughs> certain of what he had written. You'll notice as Ralphie describes the BB gun, he says it's a uh, carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. So a compass in the stock of the gun. Well, Bob Clark, the director said that they looked all over for this specific Daisy Red Rider BB gun that Gene Shepard was talking about. They could not find one anywhere in the world. So they contacted Daisy, went straight to the manufacturer, manufacturer, and they checked all their records and they have no record of such a BB gun ever being Produced. They never made one, never made one with a compass in the stock. But Gene Shepard was so daggum sure that they did that he insisted that it be that way in the movie. And so that's why it is that way in the movie. And I love hearing that because I know that I can be that way sometimes where I am so stubbornly sure of what I quote unquote know is right, even if I get presented with evidence that it really isn't. And it reminds me, that whole story reminds me of the fallibility of memory. You know, like Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. think that our memories are just like, especially when we're younger, you know, and these are these memories that have been with us for so long. We, they're, they're certain, man, they're, they're set in stone. There's nothing wrong with them. They're pure, they're pristine. Um, And the truth is so often they're not like, I can't remember what I was reading sometime along this, along this lines, but it was talking about how, how often like on the witness stand, you know, how maybe we rely a little bit too heavily on witness testimony sometimes because eyewitness testimony, because our, what we just know is true when we see it is not always exactly true, exactly like we think we remember it. And so even that makes me think of the Gospels. Yeah. You know, you think about the the resurrection story, right? And you've got four different accounts, and every single one of those reads a little bit differently. And one of them, there's you know an angel outside the tomb, or two angels, or one there's somebody in the tomb who looks like an angel, and uh, and and they're clothes folded up in one story, but not in another story. And in one story, mm-hmm. you know, these two people are the first to arrive, but in another story, so-and-so else is the first to arrive. And it's like, well, how, 
you know, if everybody's so sure about all these different ways happening, what's, where's the truth? And of course, what I love about it is the one thing that all those stories have in common is that the grave is empty. And I think that's a pretty monumental fact that would cause everything else about the event to be a little blurry for me. But, um, (laughs) yeah. So again, that was something else in about this story that reminded me of, um, the gospels that we have, uh, something about a Christmas story, perhaps that reminds me about the beauty of the Christmas story. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that you're, you're spot on. You're hitting on to something that really stands out for me too. It's a, it's a similar thing, which is just this, this idea of memory and, uh, nostalgia and the, and the danger of nostalgia. Um, and I think that that is, that is something that is, um, I love what you're saying about the the idea of the the um, the gospels being all slightly different because they're different ways in which that story is remembered, um, and that's and people try to punch holes in the gospel because it's different, and that there's you know people just didn't take minutes of like daily life back then, right? Like again, they didn't just like they didn't right. just like kind of record everything. Everything didn't have, nobody had cameras to, to like videotape and like document everything that was going on. So like these stories, even if they're written six months after they happened or three months after they happened, or if they're pulled over and over again, the same way that you play telephone, a slight detail changes just a little bit. And if someone is in writing exactly as, as it happened just then, it's, it's not necessarily sure it's going to be accurate. But I do think that there's something also that you're alluding to here, which is just like this whole movie kind of being a nostalgic movie. Like that's what I think of. Like when I think that when a lot of people watch a Christmas story, um, they think nostalgia because it is that like romantic, like 19, uh, was it like 1940s, 1950s kind yeah, of era? 40s, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, like, like kind of classic. Um, this is how life was, but it's interesting that the movie is, you know, Gene Shepard narrates Ralphie's thoughts, but, it, but it's intended, I think, to be Ralphie as an adult remembering back to this. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's not like um, uh, him narrating it in real time. It's supposed to be him looking back on it. And there's something I think that the movie has its finger on about the way that we remember things. And perhaps Christmas is one of those seasons that we do this the most often because we always want it to be perfect. We talked about this in the last episode of Christmas Vacation. Um, but we always want Christmas to be perfect. And the way that we view it as a kid is radically different than the way that we view it as an adult. Um, and and so we yearn for things to go back to the way that they were. And I think that's one of the major lessons of the Old Testament. I mean, that's one of the major lessons of, of, of the Israelites being led out of Egypt, right? They're led out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And I mean, they're, they are uh, weeks out of, of being in the wilderness, weeks out of slavery. Like they are, they are you know, just how quickly they forget that they right. were in slavery just like a couple months ago. Um, and they should probably like pump the brakes on complaining about how terrible life is and how much they, they yearn to go back to the way that things once were. Um, and I think that you get, you get this, the, the way that the, uh, a Christmas story presents is that you kind of get a little bit of a peek into like uh, uh, Ralphie's like understanding of nostalgia and beginning to see like, Yes, that was a, an amazing Christmas. It was absolutely wonderful. He he gets the red rider BB guy stuff, but you see glimpses of of him as an adult realizing that there's a lot of like work at Christmas. There's a lot of like like it, it wasn't perfect. Like and there's a lot like 
it, uh, you know, it, it, it debunks this myth that like the past was as amazing as it was not to say the past didn't have, we don't have wonderful memories, but for us like paint it with rose colored or, you know, or to view it with rose colored glasses, but to kind of whitewash it this beautiful, like everything is grand. It's a temptation that I think that we as Christians have too, even today. I, I think that we've talked about this before. Um, but there was a book I read uh, a couple of years ago, our, our whole staff at First Carry when I was there, uh, read it. And it was, it's called Quietly Courageous. And it's about um, the temptations of Christian leaders leading churches. Uh, and one of the temptations um, that we shouldn't fall victim to is the temptation of nostalgia is to try mm-hmm. and go back. And, and that's what church member, like church folk love temptation. I mean, we, we all love um, uh thinking about how great life was like two years ago. If only we could just go back to the way it was done two years ago, that would be great. Um, ah, COVID. And, right, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, maybe four years ago, five years maybe ago. Maybe four years ago, right, yeah, right. <laughs> two years ago, bad example. Oh, if we just go back to the nuts talking to anyone um, or seeing yeah. anybody. Um, but, you know, it's a temptation for us to think that everything was so wonderful and so glamorous as if, God existed back then, but doesn't exist in front of us. Um, exactly. And as, Um, and as if four years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, we weren't thinking, Oh, how good it was 10 years before before that. Like we've, we've always done that. And and yeah, there, there is an absolute danger instead of, um, just appreciating where we are right now. And, this not to get us too off topic or anything, but to recognize the, yeah, there are challenges to right now. Like sure. there's certainly things that would be better if they were more like they were at one time, but you know what, this is, this is where we are and life wasn't perfect then either. So let's, right. um, right. Let, let's stop viewing these, um, challenges as as deficiencies and instead as opportunities for god to do something new and yeah that's right yeah that's right yeah so so yeah great great point danger of nostalgia for for sure um so obviously a big theme here is um like it, this is a kid's movie. I mean, I mean, it's not a kid's movie. It's for adults and everything. But like, mm. I think one of the reasons that kids love it so much is because it puts them back in the place of being kids. Kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that nostalgic effect like you were mm-hmm. talking about. We can think about where, um, where we were as, as children and um, how the story kind of relates to us. And one of the things that I noticed this time that, that I hadn't really noticed before. I'd always noticed, obviously the, um, you know, how it demonstrates childhood so well, but one of the things that really stuck with me is a lot of the kids are trying to be like adults and at least one of the central adults is trying to be like a kid uh, and so with the kids trying to be like adults, you, you, you've got, you know, Ralphie and, and what does he want? He wants a BB gun, right? Which is an, it's, it's a very adult childish gift. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weapon, right? You know, he, he wants a, like, it's, he doesn't want an actual gun, but he wants as close to a gun as he could get as a kid. Right. Sure. Um, the, and these fantasies, think about the fantasies that he has, you know, he's, um, 
he's so much more mature. He's the cowboy that's saving his family as his mom and dad, you know, cower under the table, or he's the, the blind man who's come back as an adult, right. To prove to his parents that they never should have given him the life boy. soap. um, <laughs> think about, th- think of like the way that they talk, right. When their parents aren't around, like how uh, the, the mystique of cussing and, and using profanity for them, you know, because that's the way that adults speak. That's the way he hears his dad speak. And so you've got these kids who are trying to act like adults. And then on the flip side, this is the part that I never really noticed. You've got uh, the old man, which is the only way Ralphie's dad, that's the way that he's referred to in the script. He's not given a name. He's just called the old man. Um, So even this old man is trying to act like a child and um, that really stuck out to me this time you know think about when he gets the major award right could could anyone be more uh exhibit more of a childlike giddiness than yeah when he yeah. comes home so freaking excited to have gotten that major award. i mean he came home yeah. bragging about that like my son you know coming home bragging about getting named line leader at school well, you right. know? Right. Yeah. um just just over them he doesn't even know what the award is he yeah, just knows that he won something right. Right. <laughs> and he's so excited um you know, changing the tires, pretending that he's in the yeah. Indy 500, you know, wanting to see it, like, how fast can I do it? You know, yeah. um, the, how giddy he gets about the Turkey, you know, he's so right. excited about the Turkey for Christmas and all this stuff. It, it, it's so funny to see this, um, character who again is described as the old man. He's supposed to have this curmudgeon exterior and all of this sort of stuff. And he's just, if you pay attention, he's, he's, in his essence, he is a child. He's a big child. And um, so in, in, in the end, what happens is that who pulls through for Ralphie and gets him the BB gun? It's mm-hmm. not mom. It's not Santa. It's not Miss Shields. It's the old man yeah. who this whole time has been giving us these hints of his own child likeness because he, he's preserved something of that. And it occurred to me as I watched it this time that I thought about Jesus instruction for us to um, be childlike in our faith. And this time I, I, I thought, you know, maybe yes, that's an instruction for us, but maybe it's also permission for us. Mm. Maybe as much as it is Jesus telling us to be childlike in our faith, that if we don't have a faith like a child, then we won't inherit the kingdom of God. Maybe it's also him giving permission to us to be those children that we kind of want to be. Like, Mm. what is it in us that makes us push the Ralphie back in our hearts Mm -hmm. as we grow, you know? And I love that the old man, um, preserves that like we get to see that in him and uh yeah i just think this movie has something great to say about being a child whether you are one in age or whether like you are literally an old man Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome it's it's uh, it's like a like you're saying it's an invitation to, to to be in that state of wonder uh and i think that sometimes we as as um as mature followers of Jesus 
try to make, we make things so difficult by overthinking things, overcomplicating things like reason steps in, life steps in. Um, and to be able to kind of hang on to and cling to that childlike state of wonder about who God is and the wonder of, 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 of life and the joy, like, like quite frankly, it's, it, it, to me, it's like glimmers of joy in the old man that you're just that, that, that like joy and child likeness to me are synonymous. Yeah. Um, and that's, and there's like all types of scripture about like clinging to joy and to be joyful, like in all things, um, you know, uh, and, and to have that and, and joy is not, uh, is not happiness. You know, a joy is like deeper than happiness. Happiness is like a kind of a fleeting, like emotion. Joy is like a state of being. Um, and I think that's the childlikeness that comes out at Christmas that the old man like hints at that he's still got it. Um, yeah. Even with his hard facade and like his, and, and quite frankly, you can be really mad at your furnace and cuss at your furnace all day long and still be joyful too there's a level of like they can they can coexist in a way like it's not to say that life doesn't get hard and you like yeah um, don't get frustrated um but there's something about clinging to the wonder and the joy of life i think it's really important i think you're right the the joy is deeper than the frustration over over any one thing like at at the end you have to choose one that wins and um and yeah, the old man was definitely on the side of, of joy. Uh, the other thing it makes me think of too, and I told you I, I preached on this, you know, several years ago, and this was kind of my theme then, was just hope, right? Like I, I love, and I think that goes with the childlikeness too. Um, and, and maybe a, a synonym for hope here would be belief as well. Mm-hmm. Just like Ralphie gets pushed down at every turn, right? You know, mm. He asks mom he, immediately. He tells his mom that he wants, you know, the the BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. Boom. He, <laughs> you know, he works so hard on this perfect theme. Oh, I've got it. You know, this is going to do it. You'll shoot your eye out. C plus. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Santa. Who? Of course, that's the answer, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. There's the trump card. You know, Santa. Santa Claus tells the kid he's going to shoot his eye. Like, I mean, this kid is given every reason not to believe and not to hope, yet yet he still clings to it. And then in, in the end, what happens? His, his hope, his faith is rewarded. And I think that there is a message for us there as well, um, because doggone it, if we believe in Jesus, then we believe in the God of an empty tomb. We believe that all this stuff that we spend so much of our life fearing on, namely death, whether it's physical death or the death of, you know, hope or, or the, the death of our, you know, whatever it might be. Um, all this stuff we spend so much time fearing that it does not win. And therefore we can walk around with some swagger, we can walk mm-hmm. around with some gladness. We can walk, or we have reason to hope. Um, the Isaiah passage this last for the first sun, Sunday of Advent was the beautiful one out of chapter two, verses one through five, where it talks about the mountain of the Lord and all the nations, all the nations, man, 
coming together and mm-hmm. sitting together in the light of God's truth. Like, mm-hmm. God, what, how much do we need that right now? Right. Where, mm-hmm. where there is no arguing or bickering because we're all sharing in the same light and we're all sharing in the same truth. And we don't need the weapons that we're beating <clears throat> our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning mm-hmm. hooks. Cause there's no need for war. There's no need for any of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's, that sounds as crazy to the, grown-up, a cynical adult these days as a kid who's been told no three times that he can still get a BB gun, right? It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. But the tomb's empty, therefore, mm. we hope, you know? And mm-hmm. that's what I, I love. I, th- I guess that's one of the reasons I just love this movie so much is because it's like, no, hope is so daggum defiant. Um, mm-hmm. The Christ, the Christian hope, anyway, mm-hmm. should, is and should be, and I love that this movie demonstrates that yeah. steadfastness. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll just let that preach. I'm gonna let that one sit. Cool. Ditto. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, yeah. it's fresh on the mind because I just said it on Sunday, but <laughs> yeah, good, good, yeah, I understand. It's, well, I, I've I've done a I've done a lot of talking here. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, let me um geek out on on one of my favorites. But um, dude, I know this it, is your favorite. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. you you rock and roll with it, man. Yeah. Totally. Is is there anything uh anything that that I've missed that that you want to name specifically? Anything that speaks to you? I know we've got a a couple questions that we can ask each other, but I I'm, yeah, I'm, let's jump to those questions, man. I think okay. that we've hit on some, we've hit on some of the themes that I mean most of the themes that I think are that are worth repeating. There's obviously some common themes that are in the movie that are great. Um, they're super fun, but we'll save that for another day. I'd love to hear some of these questions. They're, uh, okay. they're great. Yeah. Okay. Excited. Outstanding. So yeah. One of the things that Ben and I noticed as after, after we watched this and we started talking was how it, you know, because it's such a reflective movie on, uh, you know, childhood, it makes you think of your own childhood. Um, it's, uh, it brought up a lot of questions that I was like, oh, well, I wonder, you know, what this was like in Ben's life. Maybe he wonders what it was like in my mm-hmm. life. And so I uh, thought we would we would bounce a few of these off each other. Uh, they, like, for example, did you ever have a gift, Ben, that was like that BB gun, mm-hmm. you know, like that, mm-hmm. uh, like what, what was your got to have it? Yeah. yeah. So my, um, this is, this is my got to have a gift and my best gift. Um, I remember I was probably seven years old. My family, we grew up in, I actually was born in Florida and we moved up to Smithfield when I was five or so, four or five. Um, and then, um, I didn't know you weren't a native. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm an outsider. Uh, so <laughs> is that why you um, wear your socks with sandals? That's exactly, You're from Florida. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we moved up to Smithfield and I remember us going when I was like six or seven, like a couple years later, back to Florida to visit my grandparents who, who still lived down there. And, um, and you know, that's like prime Christmas time, you know, that six or seven years old. I mean, that's like the sweet spot. So yeah. we, uh, I asked for a bell from Santa's sleigh based on another Christmas Polar Express and book the Polar Express. I mean, it was a book obviously long before it was up. And so I read that book over and over again. So I wanted a bell from Santa Slay and I was assistant. I mean, I think I asked for it in like July and it was like, this is why I want. Don't care about anything else. And I'm sure my parents thought, oh, that's just, this is great. Uh, this is like, Jackpot. We just, we just won Christmas. <laughs> get, right, the, get awesome. a bell. 
<laughs> it was awesome. And uh, and I was assistant on it. And the 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 the, the, the curveball though is that we were in Florida, and so I was I, I was heartbroken because I was like, well, the one thing I want, we're not going to be at our house. There's no way Santa's going to know that I'm in, in my grandparents' house in Florida. Yeah. Like, I'm not not only like am I not going to get this? I'm not going to get anything this Christmas. Like, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and so. Wound up getting it. Uh, woke up on Christmas morning, and it was all the cousins in the same living room. And like you, as a parent, can kind of imagine if there's like six or seven children in the same room. Um, oh my gosh, from different families, right? Oh my gosh, coming in and doing Christmas together. There's like a level of it takes this level of equity and like keeping the scales balanced, like uh, to a, a whole other level. And I remember going down and being so frustrated because like I think my sister got a bike that year. And somebody else got a bike and there like underneath the tree was this tiny box that had Ben's name on it. And I had like two or three gifts there or whatever um, that were like, well, you kind of tear through them and throw them over your shoulder. And I was like, well, I didn't get it. Uh, and then underneath the tree, similar to Ralphie, there's like a shiny package and it's got uh, my name on it. And it was a bell from Santa Slave. It was awesome. And like, I still remember that Christmas uh, like it was yesterday. It was so fun. So that was my, that was my BB gun. Um, Funny that it's like something a little bit different and slightly twist on the story, but loved it. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How about that you? Is... What was yours? What was yours? Man, you know, I, I don't know that I ever had anything that was that I was as just laser focused on as Ralphie was with the BB gun. Um, but my birthday is uh, January 2nd. And so yeah. I've always been, you know, Christmas, it's, it's a week right before. And so when I was turning 16, you know, the big hope was for something to drive. Right. Right. And so in the back of my mind, I knew, all right, you know, you need to cover all your bases, make, you know, ask for it for Christmas, ask for it for birthday, like just, and, and so parents had hinted pretty heavily that, you know, that I would get something. Um, but I didn't know how this thing was going to play out. And, and I didn't, I didn't ask too many questions. I just kind of trusted in, in mom and dad. And, um, so on Christmas morning, uh, we, you know, had we're opening presents, going through all our stuff and everything. And, uh, kind of at the end of the, morning i noticed sticking out of the couch cushion was in a little envelope and so i took it out and it was a note written by obviously my father um as i think i, I i've still got it somewhere i want to find it because it's so funny but basically it starts out as like saying greetings agent agent p you know and uh this is so and so with the international federation of accredited righteous you know da 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 basically it spells out i farted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is so and so with i farted <laughs> and we're sorry to disturb your christmas morning but we have a very special mission for you you know there's been a a vehicle that has been uh misplaced and uh we need you to to find it um i understand you know basically i understand that you're going to need something to uh to help you complete this mission 
unfortunately, you know, your normal limo driver had a few too many eggnogs uh, last <laughs> night. So uh, a replacement vehicle has been prepared for you. And, you know, not long after I read this letter, <laughs> I hear this. And my dad comes up our driveway in this bright yellow moped. And he's got like an actual bike helmet on. And the deal is we've got to drive around Smithfield finding these different clues. Like that letter led me to a clue that led me to another clue. And I had to drive, you know, ride holding on to my dad. And I mean, it was a cold (laughs) Christmas morning, man. It was like twenties. And, um, and he didn't even have a helmet for me and I had to wear a helmet. So I had to find his old football helmet football from when helmet. he was like in middle school that didn't even fit on my head. So it's just, the pictures are hilarious. And so, yeah, driving all around Smithfield in a moped on Christmas morning, uh, with a helmet too small for my head. And That's I mean, so like funny. seriously, like dumb and dumber snow, not like yeah, frozen, frozen to my nose. Yeah. Frozen, yeah. And then finally at my, um, it took, it took me to my grandparents' house there on, on second street. And, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, my, that red Explorer, man, you remember that Red Explorer. I know that red Explorer. Yeah. Yeah. It was right there parked under the driveway. So that was a good one. Again, I don't, I still don't know that I was like aching for it as much as Ralphie did that BB gun, but I, I definitely felt the same amount of joy. Yeah. That's so fun. That's such a good those memories, dude. Um, I, I hope that everybody has one of those memories. Maybe they come at childhood, but at some point, like getting that. Yes. That yes. Gift. So, one of the Paul, one of the other questions um, that comes up just based on this movie and based on one of the little vignettes: Have you ever been triple dog dared? Oh, Ben, this. Um, you know, the more the deeper we get into this episode, just the more I realize, like. Uh, this is this one is going to be the time capsule for my life. Like if if something happens to me and every anybody ever wants to know who Paul Burgess was, I feel like based on the things that I've said in this podcast and and like this is this is the one that people are going to need to just go back and dig up and and mine yeah. through and they'll learn everything they need to know because one of the defining stories of my life is the time that I was I don't know if I was triple dog dared, but I I was dared and stared down um and uh, invited to um as a i guess sixth grade boy man up and um so it went down like this um like i said sixth grade my parents uh were hanging out with um two other sets of parents uh rayford's parents and Kristen's andrews yep, yep yeah andrews Gaines and, and andrews and uh there was one of those south smithfield parties that was going on ben and uh you know what your parents were probably over there too and <laughs> um and it might have even been a christmas party i'm not sure but uh so if i was in sixth grade that means rafer was in seventh grade and i think um, i know this story i think i know you where probably do it's yeah. made its way around um yeah. and uh you know if he was in seventh grade, then our parents probably thought that we were old enough to stay at home alone while they went to this party. That was like, not, I mean, a mile away. And, um, and each of us had our younger siblings there. So it was, there were six of us kids in the house and, um, 
we decided, well, let's play truth or dare. And uh, so we did. And my whole thing at that time was I don't turn down dares, man. That's I just that's what I don't do. You know, I right, yeah, you yeah. dare me. I'm going to do it, which is a stupid philosophy. <laughs> that's a stupid guiding principle. Um, but it was mine at the time. And so I had done something. I think it was to my sister. I had made somebody upset. And so they decided that they were really going to pull out a nasty dare on me. And I th- again, I think it was my sister. She dared me to go outside and moon the next car that comes by. And, you know, I hesitated for a second because I remembered that one of the rules that we had been given was not to go outside. But I thought, well, then again, I don't turn down dares. That's so <laughs> um, I said, you know what? Yeah, OK, I'll do it. So I get Rayford to come with me because, you know, I need my moral support. And yeah. um, I don't know why I didn't think of a better method for doing this. But um, <clears throat> what I did was essentially just pulled my pulled my pants down, stuck my behind out toward uh, the, the road and waited for the next car to come by. <laughs> and for those who aren't familiar with where I grew up, um, it wasn't like on a necessarily busy street or anything like that so it wasn't uncommon for you know five minutes to pass without a car going (laughs) and so that's kind of what i did i just was out there with my little sixth grade butt (laughs) (laughs) hanging out for uh you know five ten minutes or whatever until i i saw out of the corner of my eye these these headlights i was like finally thank gosh so um the car you know i it's like, I know it's past me. I can feel this car passing me. And then I notice that the headlights don't pass to the other side. And it sounds like the car is still like idling behind me. And I'm like, well, this, this is not it's how I pictured like, this going. <laughs> I've never done this before. But I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to work this the way. The car's not supposed to stop and take a picture. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, like I turn my head around again, still in position. I turn my head around, and <laughs> it is my pastor, Lee, sticking his head out of his car, saying, "Paul Burgess, are are you mooning me?" Yeah. <laughs> and at that oh, point, so I am running inside. I am. I mean, I'm pretty sure my pants are around my ankles, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My 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 pastor, my child, like the only pastor I've ever known. Um, and so I get home. I, you know, I'm I've got too much of a moral compass that I end up calling my mom and telling her, and she's horrified. Da da da. She um tells me, you know, that I have to call Lee and apologize, and so I called him. I apologized. She goes to see him at to church the next day. We're we're at church. She goes up to him. She says, "You know, I'm Lee. I'm mortified. I can't believe he did that. I'm so sorry." And he said, "Oh, it's okay. We all thought it was hilarious." Yeah. And, <laughs> and she says, "We yeah. we thought it was." And he's like, "Well, yeah, me and Alice, his wife, it's who like, is like just." beautiful prim proper southern like it it's like i you know showed my butt to a southern living magazine you know yeah, yeah. and uh and then 
Uh, also, Becky, who I've spoken about before, That's my it. youth minister. Uh, I was sixth grade, just getting into the youth group. So I had literally just shown Great my first impression right? yeah. <laughs> I, mm, to uh, my youth minister. Yeah. And then her husband, Frank, who at the time was my mom's boss. boss. He was the, yeah. <laughs> the principal at the school where she worked. So probably oh. like the four worst people in the world that I could have moved <laughs> were in one car. And then the great beauty of uh, one of the reasons that I'm, certain of God's existence is that I get called at some point in my life to be a pastor. So now I'm just oh, waiting, totally. waiting, I'm waiting for that kid on the driveway to, to move. To so move yeah, you. Ben, yeah. make a long story short. I have been triple dog there. Dude, that's, that's an epic story. Uh, such a good one. Mm. Such a good one. Yeah. Too good. Yeah. What about you? I, I mean, but I don't have anything that stacks up to that, man. I, there's a similar, so mine's a, a slight twist on the question. Cause I, you know, it comes from question comes from that scene where they um, did the trip dog dare and he sticks his tongue to the pole. I kind of had this little posse of people that felt like that group of guys. Um, when I was growing up, it was me and Edward Farnell and Fred Dees and Eric Dowd. And I remember, um, that's a murderer's row right uh, there, dude. It was, it was a rough crowd. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're a rough crowd. So we would be like a little bike gang and we'd ride around South Smithfield. And we, um, we, I remember there was this, Stuff thing was taking place in the elementary school, right? So we're a couple blocks. I lived a couple blocks from elementary school like you did. And the gymnasium is like the big building right there on the corner. It's the most accessible, quite frankly, uh, entrance to the to the building, kind of just the way it's positioned on the street. And one of the doors was open um, to the gym and a karate class was going on in there. And I remember um, there being... At- I don't know. We, we like rode our bikes. We would ride our bikes like kind of under like the little breezeway every once in a while, like on the side, the covered sidewalk along the edge of the school and by the um, gym. And I remember we made like a, we were like making a lot of noise or something like that. So um, somebody came and shut the door um, or cracked it to like allow them to focus on the karate class still. So no big deal. So we were like just kind of circling the place. We were kind of like uh, vultures just trying to looking for trouble and just circling it. Right. So we're like circling this <laughs> gymnasium. And then finally, somebody would be like, the, the, it wasn't really a dare, but it was just like us being curious fourth, fifth grade boys and like um, going up to the door and then like peeking in the door to kind of see what's going on. So we peeked in the door to see what's going on. All of a sudden, we've done this like two or three times. The karate coach drops whatever he's doing and just starts sprinting straight at the door, which causes the four of us, I mean, to say all, it's like we only, we didn't say fudge and we just scatter, right? right? We, and we're all like trying to get on our bikes and pedal. Well, I have a, um, everybody has like a, a street bike. I have like a giant mountain bike, right? I'm not like, the Oh, cool I remember kid. the Huffy Eco Terra. Oh, I th- yeah. Didn't you have one too? I had one too. Yeah. 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 We I both love had that the It was great. Well, it's not great for getting up to quick speeds quickly because <laughs> I have to crank, I have to crank through 18 different gears. So I'm like crank, 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 crank. And I'm like trying to pedal at the same time. So very quickly, I'm the one that's caught. Um, and I mean, everybody else is down the street and they're all like, you know, the buses used to park on that road. And yeah. so they're like hiding in between the buses um, and like peeking to see me get caught. And the karate guy has me by the back of my collar. He pulls me off my bike. He's like talking to me and he, I'm like more like terrified. And the, the karate guy yells, um, uh, side story. Our, our meeting spot was always that Amico and it became a BP yeah. that was closest to Southside barbershop. That was like where we met in, in like crisis moment. It was like, if we got broken up, just yeah. me at the Amico. That was the base. Um, 
Yeah, totally. So that's just a couple blocks away. So I know that I have to go there, and that's exactly where they're going to be. So they grab it. He grabs me by the collar. He yells at me, and he's like, "What's your name?" He has no idea who I am. I kind of know who he is. It was one of our friends' dads, like our uh, like a, a person in the um, kind of the the periphery of our of our lives. Um, I think um, I can't remember who it is, but I I knew who he was. He grabs me, grabs me by the collar. He says, "What's your name?" And I was like, "Uh, Edward Farnell." <laughs> 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 so I said I was Edward, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I know who your dad is. Your dad's the administrator at the hospital, or whatever." And I was like, "Yes, sir, he is." <laughs> and so I get to the Amico and like meet up with the guys, and they're they're like, "What's the what happened? What'd you do? Did you get in trouble?" Da, da, da. And I, like they're like laughing at me for getting in trouble. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." And, and you were with like, Edward at that moment. I was too. with Edward. I was with Edward. I'm telling the story. I'm like, "Yeah," and he grabbed me and he's like, "What's your name?" And I was like. Edward Farnell, <laughs> and he's like, "No, you didn't." And so, sure enough, we get like a phone call that night. That's like, uh, oh. you know, it's like a, the scene out of the Christmas Story where the moms are talking on the phone. Right, he did what? Right. And it's like a similar feel. Of like <laughs> Ben told Ben told the karate guy that he was Edward, and Edward got in trouble for it. It was just a very, very funny, <laughs> very funny circumstance for. Uh, that day just reminds me of that that similar scene not the same thing as a triple dog there but it uh it's pretty funny so that's awesome he was your schwartz yeah he was my totally yeah he got i i uh, made schwartz get in trouble for that that's where i learned the word from so oh my gosh yeah. oh yeah. man two cubs so yes so is that is that your uh is that your big cussing story then is that like you know because yeah I, I i don't know like that's another thing I identified with with this movie was just the attitude that these kids had toward like using like profanity. You know, yeah. like I re- I remember being like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and just uh, like I think I used the word mystique earlier. Just like that's that's kind of there was this just you know element of danger and mystery around yeah. Yeah. Uh, using words that you know you 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 weren't supposed to did what was what was the attitude like around around that for you and your your peers yeah i don't know i don't like um you know we kind of danced around it like you didn't say the words um you know in public and stuff like that i remember i got in trouble one time and i still like regret this i can clearly remember it i you know i i, I was um again elementary school and i was going to boy scouts and i wasn't super active in boy scouts so it was like when ben walked in the room it was probably because my parents were mad at me and i had to go you know something like that um uh, so i went one random night to boy scouts and all the dads were sitting in the back so this was probably cub scouts actually because the dads were still there so all the dads were sitting in the back of the room and the scout master was like going over something and um and i remember like I think I was, I was just trying to be cool. Right. And, uh, and, and trying to impress some people and be like, yeah, I'll use a, I'll use like a vulgar word in public. Uh, and so I remember saying, he was like explaining something. And I said, I raised a hand and I said something to the effect of like, who gives a crap? <laughs> like, and for me, crap was like the word that I wasn't supposed to say. Right. It's not like a, it's not like the cleanest of words. But the fact the I, and then I realized what I had done and I had that Ralphie moment of looking at the old man and locking eyes of being like, Uh-oh. wait till we get home and you tell your mother what you said to yeah. the scoutmaster to his face about what he was saying. 
Um, and I was like, oh God. And it was, it's like I knew, yeah, it, it was this slow motion, like look behind my shoulder, my dad locking eyes with me in complete, like, I'm going to kill you mode. Um, or not like I'm going to kill you. Your mother's going to kill you. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'm just, and I'm going to sit back and watch <laughs> and like, and, and that being like a moment of just sheer terror for me. Um, yeah, that was, that was my like bad language moment. Yeah. So, it's funny. How it always, it, well, it's funny, man, how it goes back to the moms. Like we have this, yeah. it's the, it's the moms that we fear in these, you know, that, that she's the one Ralphie, uh, or that the old man, you know, told, and she's the one who, who punished him and, you fearing your mom, mine, my story. Yeah. Like I can remember something about like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was just the cool thing to do. And so something about like after school care at church mm-hmm. of all places, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. get together with like this little group of friends and we just, you know, we just let them fly, man. We didn't yeah. even know what we were saying, but we just thought Miss Bobby. Thought, Miss Bobby, um, Bobby. Yeah, oh she, didn't, she didn't, uh, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't oh, tolerate man. it. You know, yeah. you, you needed to make sure you watch what you said around her because you better be lady. praying when she walked past you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, mm, we could make a movie about her for sure. But um, yeah. anyway, so that's where I learned um, so, plenty of, of vocabulary and um <laughs> But I never got in trouble there using it. Uh, but like I said, it loosened me up uh, to some of the words. And there was one time around that time when I was old enough to like ride my bike, like you were talking about, ride your bike around the neighborhood and all this stuff. And my sister, I've got a younger sister. She's three years younger than me, Emily. She was uh, young enough to ride or old enough to ride with me, but not to be on her own. It was like, okay, she can go, but you better, you know, Mm -hmm. you better keep track of where she is. And so we were riding around the neighborhood and like brothers and sisters do got into a fight about something. And my sister was smart enough to know that she could get me in trouble by just going off on her own and basically like going back home but me not knowing where she was. So I would be looking for her. And then whenever she did get home, mom and dad would realize that she was alone and I would be to blame. So she ran off. I got all worried. I rode all around South Smithfield looking for her, you know, 30 minutes, an hour later, whatever. I, I was just, I had no idea where she was. I went to all her friends' houses, couldn't find her, rode back to our house. And we um, had this kind of long, like shared gravel driveway. And um, so there was, there was lots of room for me to just really get ticked off on that, on that long driveway. And so at the beginning of the driveway, I, I just started using a particular profane word in reference to my sister. And then a little further down the driveway, I said it again, and I said it a little louder because I, I was, I was in the in the heat of righteous anger because this That's was right. not my fault. This That's was a right. matter of justice, Ben. Yes, and um, and then you know I felt even more empowered. So but so when I got to a certain point, I said it again, and I said I was yelling it. And about that time that I let that third one out, I'm at uh, our kitchen, uh, which had this side porch. And my mom 
was standing there sweeping off the side porch and we do that like you're talking about man we locked eyes and i'm like oh god she just heard yeah <laughs> and, and she looks at me and i mean like yes yeah, i stopped my bike you know mid-pedal she stops her broom mid-sweep and i swear yeah. the words that she says to me i'll never forget them she looked at me and said paul your father doesn't even say that word. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's yeah. too good. I, I remember paying too for that good. one, man. Oh, that's so, too good. But yeah, isn't that the great thing <laughs> about father. this movie? Yeah. Isn't that the great thing? It, it, it brings that's all this it. stuff to, to mind, no doubt. Um, 100%. Yeah. No doubt that that's what makes it so popular with so many. And I mean, here we've been talking about this thing for like an hour and a half, man. So it's too good. Woo, can you believe yeah. it? Too good. This has been awesome, man. I love these stories. Um, I, I hope that I hope that people who are listening will watch this movie and go share their own story about that. Yeah, uh, maybe if, if nothing else, Probably maybe you'll do something here. for. Um, maybe we should talk to like the visitor bureau in Smithfield or something, or the, to see if they want to be a sponsor because I feel like we really talked up uh, the charm All of, of, our, of our hometown. One hundred percent. I think we should mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, this should be um, again brought to you by. Uh, brought to you by the old Amico station. <laughs> by the old Amico station, right? Yeah, that's too funny. Brought to you by Hills of Snow. Oh, so. <laughs> Hills of Snow, so good. Still there, yeah. baby. Cool. All right, All right man. Brother. Well, hey, canonizing. Canonizing. Yeah. What do you think? You go for it. Uh, I mean, this is like a no-brainer for you. This is, yeah, this is kind of like when they asked, so Gospel of John, is it going in? Um, I have to think, <laughs> I, I, I sure hope everybody was like, yeah, we're going to put this one in here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely on a Christmas story for me. Yeah, it's too good. Too good to pass up. Cool. I agree. Glad to hear Rock it. On. All right, man. Well, uh, we will we will part ways until our next holiday adventure. Uh, and uh, is are your parents going to be in the house for this one, or are you going to be home alone? Nice. Such a good one. All right, man. We're looking forward to it. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Yep. Peace. Have a good one. Bye.